Thanks, sir. How's it going? Good, man. How you doing? I'm all right. Just catching up on my Star Trek history, you know. <laughs> Outstanding. So how about for like the last year? Is that what you've been up to? <laughs> Welcome back to Projecting Film, the movie podcast where movies meet. I'm your host, Michael Dunstan, and that other pleasant voice you heard was my co-host, Chris Maynard, on this podcast. We tried to pitch you the latest in independent film by referencing two older films that hopefully you've heard of. That being said, here's the trailer for the new documentary, United We Fan, something here at Projecting Film we know very little about. So listen to our podcast on it. Word has come down that the show is going to be canceled. I said, we shouldn't let this happen. I should know better to say that to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the fans became fans. They feel as though it speaks to them in a way that no other show ever has. We all became this massive family of thousands of strangers. Jericho Chuck. Longmire. Veronica Mars. Roswell. Arrest Development. Person of Interest. Hagney and Lacey. How many letters did you write? Probably 500. It was over the top. It was way over the top. People are savvy. I don't think they're going to wait around and hope that the things that they love stick around. I think that they're going to have some contingency plans, <laughs> and our fans did. TV has a profound, long-lasting effect on people. It's not just a TV show. It's being involved. When it first got put up, a lot of people were like, oh, you're not going to even make it to 10,000 signatures. And then once we got it there, I was like, okay, this is actually happening. They wanted the studio to know how important that show was. Fans do it out of the passion that they feel for the show. I don't know if they realize how much impact it has. As an actor, it makes you hopeful, like, well, this has to work. Look at these people, they're amazing. So everybody buy a cheap pack of nuts and write it to CBS and say, we think that canceling Jericho is nuts. 50,000 pounds, that's crazy. We had 23 consecutive weeks trending on Twitter. I was reasonably confident, yet I never in my wildest dreams yes. thought it would take off like it did. Two million! I was just like, yeah, this thing is actually gonna happen now. When you feel there's a movement out there, you feel validated and you feel, hey, we're doing something good. You think they own part of the show. I'm not sure they didn't. <laughs> uh, let's see, we moved, bought a house. Um... Worked a lot. Um, what else is going on? Not much. Okay. That, that, that's a lot. That's quite a bit, actually. Yeah. But, you know, now it's it's Christmas, so I guess that's going on. That's unique to us, right? How, how so? I mean, we're the only ones going through that Christmas, so I would expect <laughs> you to understand. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I mean, with two kids and, you know, we don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff at all. Good. That's healthy. <laughs> No, um, I don't know. I took like six months off from like doing this stuff. And that was nice. Good on you. I was surprised to see you come back in. Uh, why did I come back in? <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> is this a revelation you're having at this moment? Uh, let's see. What was I? I was talking with Hiro um, when we started Marcus Plate again, and I'd been out of the habit, like uh, at my job, like I'd started listening to podcasts a lot again, and I actually have long stretches where I can just just listen to them, but I was not listening to movie podcasts. <laughs> and unreasonable I, enough well <laughs> and i think it was listening to those movie podcasts and having some distance from actually like doing any of that i was like fuck did i fucking sound like this like <laughs> and so i started started re-downloading some of my stuff i'm like oh no no i was good it's everyone else's bad i'm like well i'm clearly depriving people of something that <laughs> So united we fan was the call to arms. I was my own my own fan campaign for myself. Where I'm like, you know what? I need more of me in my world. You know how sad it must be for everyone else because they don't have access to my thoughts. I'm having my own podcast when I'm watching movies by myself. But uh, got to put it out there. Got to put a microphone in front of me. And uh, yeah. So, but you've talked to what, like Stephen Tobolowsky. So you're like, yeah, yeah. you're an A-lister now. You're like, <laughs> is is that an A-lister? Sir, like, <laughs> we might want to have him on this show at some point. Don't, don't <laughs> no, 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 the no, man. No, I mean he's just incredibly generous with his time, and seems like he's just willing to talk to people. He's very friendly mm-hmm. and uh, considerate in that way. So I, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that I had the chance to talk to him. It seems like you could say one word to him and you just go into autopilot for an hour. Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, I've got, an, I've got an episode on that. I'm just, I'm raring to go. Here's a story. <laughs> and like, the, you know, David Jen shuts the fuck up for two seconds. And <laughs> lets the man talk. Well, there we go. Three minutes in, we've already <laughs> talked shit about David Jen. Everything's firing on. I, just all it used to. I'm not, I'm not talking. I don't even know if that, that shows. Doesn't exist anymore, right? Did they stop doing that I think years it ago? Was a limited run thing? I don't know. Um, I know there was a there was a, a movie he made, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they did like the special. I, I always liked that show. I'm not talking shit. I'm just. I actually always admired that sort of setup that like you have a host and they're bantering, and then at a certain point, the host is no longer there. Like they don't make a. <laughs> there's no like musical cue, or that we're going into a new segment. It just Chen just shuts up, right? Yeah. That's kind of my role on this show, I think. Uh, it is at times, but that's usually the sign for me to like play the music. Like, all right, I guess we're done. <laughs> so, I, you know, it was kind of the post that I saw on Facebook the other day of you in the theater or, or your wife in the theater watching Suspiria. Right. And I kind of, oh, that that's why he's doing this again. That's why he's podcasting again, because she's probably sick of the conversations about Suspiria. Uh, yes. To that, y- yes, to all of it, yes, to conversing with me uh, on anything <laughs> at length. <laughs> I try to avoid in my personal life going into podcast mode where I'm like, all right, now it's my three minutes. Like, <laughs> then I'll volley to you for three minutes and <laughs> pull up my phone for IMDb while you're talking and be looking at trivia, acting like I'm listening. Suspiria, though, uh, yeah, I came out of that and I said, I think it's uh, Dave's. Uh, of the uh, of the now gone pop culture case study, I, I think that's his favorite movie of the year, or one of his favorites. Huh? And she gave me a look, and she just like was shaking her head, like you know, you hang out with those people, do, don't involve me <laughs> in this world. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not, I'm not knocking her because I was, I was also not a fan of this, uh, this this remake. 
Um, so I'll give Dave a hard time, I guess, on my podcast watch. And uh, <laughs> I guess, are you going to give me a hard time about United We Fan? No. Hmm. No, I, I consider United We Fan um, a, a, I think this would be a great sort of triple feature with capturing the Freedmans and perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> we are trying to promote this little movie that could about little shows that uh, can or did. But sure, capturing the Freedmans. Same well, type of people, it, yeah. Well, or and uh, three identical strangers that, that something like that, where it starts out as one thing. You're expecting the film to be about this sort of cute love story in a way. It's uh, these people that they didn't, they had an emptiness in their hearts and their lives, and this show filled that, and so they were passionate about it. And that's what this starts out as. But then you realize there's an actual villain here, and there's somebody who's out to create evil in the world in this film. And and I, I wasn't expecting that twist, so I appreciated it. Who is the the villain in this in this piece? The uh the the people for what was it quality television whatever that group was the woman mm-hmm. who kind of seemed like she was really into herself after a while and keeping mm-hmm. designing women on the air. I, I didn't know if you were going like the Seinfeld route, like Warren Littlefield is like the villain of just like <laughs> '90s television. Like I, I enjoyed that, and I was like, oh wow, that's. I remember him from wasn't he on the uh, the Late Shift? Is that what it was called? The <laughs> yes, HBO yes, he TV was. movie. Always. Yep. Um, it's like the lesser version of uh, is it Michael Sheen that was always uh, playing the prime minister. Prime minister didn't he have like a run of like three movies? You're you're alone now. I I have no idea. Like, if I, I, I tried to you know bring it up to to speed to you know two thousand era pop culture, and I've lost <laughs> old man Maynard. So yeah, clearly you keyed in on designing women, and I'm just like I'm like yeah, I think I've heard of that show. I remember they were sassy, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I seem to remember some People magazine covers at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my concern with the movie is uh, they start with Star Trek, I think, as they should. And then they like kept going back to it. And you have this lovely old couple. Uh, you know, it's, I guess they like, you know, the forefathers, I guess, of this like little cottage industry. I don't know, mm-hmm. of like fandom. But. As someone who's never never got into Star Trek, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of it. I've seen a couple of the movies. I was like, all right, yeah, I don't, I don't really care as much about that. I am, however, fascinated by. There's one sequence in this where they show all the, I guess, programs that don't need this help, and it's a lot of stuff that's like on CBS. And then there's an, there's a Hawaii Five O or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so there's Hawaii Five O, and you know some other military NCIS CSI something yeah. like that. But then you have person of interest, and I'm like, uh, as an outsider, those are indistinguishable. Like I, <laughs> I thought that was all the same same horseshit. I thought it was still on the air, honestly. <laughs> like yeah, that's okay. I, I'm wondering. Is this movie effective? And I think it was because when they start with person of interest and I'm like a fan campaign for that. Oh my God. And <laughs> I, I'm just happy that they're announcing. Yeah. When the final season aired, I'm like, good <laughs> vanquished. But her story was one of the more compelling ones in the film. Actually, her point of view on it was more interesting than a lot of the other ones. I would say oddly enough, the, that one and the, the people that were into Chuck two shows that I've never watched person of interest or Chuck. And I, but the people who were really into those shows, I appreciated them talking about, it. I appreciated their passion for it. It didn't seem typical. And I kind of enjoyed that. I didn't like 
this uh, focus on you know lesbian women not wanting to see lesbians <laughs> killed on TV. And I'll tell you why. It was for selfish <laughs> selfish reasons. Okay. <laughs> because as I'm watching this, I'm thinking of you know with our our little format, I I. The subject matter made me think of, and I believe the documentary was called "Done the Impossible," and it was on Firefly, and it was it was just it was like a campaign to save Firefly, and like I guess the <laughs> the happy ending was this came out I think before the movie, so it's like good we accomplished our goal we got a movie they don't really go into the fact that the movie bombed and that was like that was the end of it, <laughs> but I'm like well that's too on the nose you know that's and also if anyone's listening to this they probably have not heard of that because that bit of fandom i guess peaked and it's over with now so i was thinking like all right what's something else that like is popular that i can present like sort of an interesting talking point to chris on our, our comeback uh special that was demanded by me uh and me only and i was like all right I, I really loved uh love simon that came out earlier this year and there's this whole in that movie it's it's a, a coming out story for this young man but it's like sort of infused with pop culture. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I have, yes. Mainly, like you know, as a teenager would teenager would be like by you know films he likes and in particular music. And it, it's just he's trying to like sort of fashion his like not just perfect, but like in a in a perfect world, his love story if he could be honest with himself and his friends and his family. And so I felt like okay, that kind of applies to this, right? It's like fans. Like they're affected by pop culture and they, they want to interact with it. They want to somehow bring that to their world. My hatred of the lesbians in this movie was I'm like, Oh great. Now I'm just going <laughs> to like straight old white dude in Kentucky. It's like, oh, let's come up with some other gay movie I've seen this year. <laughs> and I'm like, you've ruined my whole bit about how people are affected by like you know, art. Wasn't my proudest moment. Sometimes I think I'm destined to care so much about one person, it nearly kills me. Me too. I'm done living in a world where I don't get to be who I am. I deserve a great love story. And I want someone to share it with. But to find any way to your wild Have you ever been in love? I think so. These last few years, it's almost like I can feel you holding your breath. I'm supposed to be the one that decides when and where and who knows. That's supposed to be my thing. Disclaimer. This is about to get romantic as F. So wait, why, why, why do you hate this lesbian so before you go off Because I don't feel like tangent. it's a surprise anymore. Because now it's like people are like, you know, as, as we've said, like, okay, that's a major focus of this. And to be honest, it is probably the most interesting thing in this documentary because it's just not a world that I would have access to. Not only just the shows themselves like <laughs> every single show they're referencing nope 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 have not seen it <laughs> so i i don't know the outrage i would not be aware of the outrage or this stat that what they say like 30 percent. that's 30. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something where i wanted to do a little fact checking and i didn't do it ahead of this but of course it, it seemed like 30 percent more likely to be killed off if it's a lesbian character it seems like a bold statement is that true I, I don't know, but I was interested. I sort of took it at face value because I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm, I've not seen what CBS is doing in the last, I don't know, my <laughs> lifetime. So, because <laughs> I'm not 65 years old and I don't know, I don't know why they care that much. But if that's the case, that's interesting. And I felt like 
not only do they talk to the fans who I tend to disagree with, like I understand that sort of investment in my time, but for me that sort of ends with not tweeting about it, but just like, oh, this, this I don't like this show anymore, or it's boring, or I don't like the decisions they made. But, you know, I started watching Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, and when I thought they were just sort of like water cooler sports about who got killed last night, I'm like, yeah, I'm not into this anymore. But I didn't tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> I also understand as a straight white guy, given the numbers they're giving here, that something like in the glory days of, you know, the Friends era or the, the NBC must-see TV that, like, 90% of the characters were white. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I'm not up in arms when one of them gets killed off. But isn't person of interest? I mean, I know it hasn't leveled out exactly with the population numbers. Isn't that just a couple of years old now? Aren't we kind of past that point? I think that Person of interest? Yeah. How old is that show? God, I feel like it's seven or eight years old. I just, I don't, yeah. I feel, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're the experts coming back to talk about this. <laughs> and it is mentioned in this movie that I, I think it's maybe a little too brief for my, uh, taste that I, I think it's one of the Pittsburgh television critic they have who's like, yeah, it's a little bit harder to distinguish the, themselves as far as these like save the show fan campaigns because with the internet now and the fact that there's no longer just three networks, like a lot of these shows that are being asked to be saved, they don't have a mass audience because there's, there's not a mass audience for anything anymore on television. So I felt like that was going to be a little bit harder to like, you you have Star Trek on the one hand as someone like me, who's like, Oh, I've never seen an episode, but yeah, I get that. I understand the history of that. And then this other stuff, I'm like, I don't know what the 11, was it the 4,400, the 1100? I don't know what it is. <laughs> Longmire. Longmire, you know, they said <laughs> they said it got saved by Netflix. I'm like, yeah, I think I scrolled past that at one point. <laughs> I was looking for a Kevin Costner movie, and they recommended that instead. Well, I saw the picture, and apparently that's what Lou Diamond Phillips has been up to. So that that was my moment where I felt, oh, okay, that's all right. He's still working. That's good. Yeah, old guns now. That's, uh, he's... <laughs> Boom. Oh. <laughs> he's probably on the same set. Didn't have to move. <laughs> Maybe he's like you. He wanted to live in the desert, and he's just like, I'll just wait around. Netflix. Will- It'll come to me eventually. <laughs> Everything comes back, and a trend. And I think the only issue I had, and I'll, I'll pass the ball to you, because I definitely do not want to be attacking lesbians for a half hour. Um, <laughs> I thought we were past that point. <laughs> well, okay, so she, in that, um, they, they make that case, and I'm, I'm listening to it, but... This this woman that she's involved with in the documentary, various shows that she's she's into and sort of save save them sort of campaigns. Um, she's in particular with person of interest says that she's only, she was only got into the show because of this relationship between these two female characters, and if they're not on the show, then she has like zero interest in it. And I'm I'm trying to think if I've ever had that extreme of a case of enjoyment with like one sliver, one piece of like a, a film or show or book. And then if that was removed that I'd have like no interest at all in something. Can you think of something like that? It seems like there's a, that's a common reaction that I have to something where there's, well, but there was this one thing that I can kind of hang my hat on. There's one performance in a film that made it worth watching. Um, you know, there's actors that kind of, they do crappy movies for oddly enough, a uh, person of interest. James Spader is one of those guys for me. That he does a lot of bad shit, but generally speaking, he always makes really interesting choices. So I'm willing to watch something that he does just because it'll be entertaining to watch him act for an hour and a half. So Specific? No, no James Spader, then you're you're out. 
that's probably another reason we're not, you know, we haven't been podcasting because I'm, I'm, I need to look James Spader, but I don't think like, he's... like what, what's the, uh, the, the movie that he did with Rob Lowe. That's uh not a good movie at all, but I mean, stretch of the imagination. That's one I was thinking of offhand. Are you trying uh, to bad, appeal to people bad, that bad are influence? Clicking is, uh, on uh, a Unively fan podcast like that demo, like James Spader and Rob Blow. I'm like, let's go back 35 years. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not modern enough. You got the Fuck. old guy on the show, <laughs> but the movie's called Bad Influence. It's a terrible movie, but James Spader's performance and it makes it worth watching for me. Less than Zero is a similar thing. I've heard of Less than Zero. Dear God, <laughs> Bad Influence, 1990. Oh God, this poster. It's not good. James Spader plays Michael, according to IMDb, a wimpy young executive who's about to get pulverized by a jealous boyfriend in a bar when a handsome, mysterious stranger steps in. All right, so far, so good. And then disappears. <laughs> Later that night while jogging. <laughs> so wait, he's at a bar and he's about to get the shit kicked out of him. Then he like goes something. Then he goes out and jogs. All right, it's kind of it, it makes sense in the context of the movie. It's just a way of him kind of getting his head back together again. Michael runs into the stranger on a beer. I'm assuming this handsome stranger is Rob Lowe. That would be correct. He introduces himself as Alex, and the two go out to an underground club. <laughs> Within a matter of days, Alex wheedles his way. Wheedles. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen this word before. W h e e d l e s. Weedles. Who wrote this? Denise Meyer at Cornell.edu wrote this. <laughs> IMDb summary. Uh, Weedles his way into Michael's life and turns it upside down. Michael doesn't realize that Alex is a dangerous sociopath until it's too late. Um, I think I would have. <laughs> Well, then I'll throw that question back to you. What's something – there has to be a film that's not a very good film or a TV show that wasn't a good show. Um, when she was talking about that, the thing I thought of was uh, – I can't remember. the What was the Hercules spinoff TV show that was the – Oh, Xena, uh, Warrior Princess. Xena, that the relationship that Xena had with that other girl, that there was huge lesbian following for that show because of the relationship between those two girls, even though that's not necessarily what the show was about it had that kind of a reaction at the time. And that predates that by, you know, close to 30 years. But that, that was an actual relationship on the show, correct? I, I don't think they were officially together. I didn't watch hmm. the show, but I, yeah. I, I don't know if it was that straightforward. I could be completely wrong though. Strange Chances are. in my formative years that even being aware, like, Oh, that's the show with the, the hot lesbians with swords and, bikini armor and they fight i still never bothered to check it out like and this is like <laughs> dial up internet days where i didn't even have ready access to porn and i still could not be bothered I'm like, i'll we get around to it jaded that, that. <laughs> I, I just love that that was the if i would have told i don't know 11 year old me that that would exist and it wouldn't even pique the slightest bit of my interest i wouldn't have believed it, it it's true it happened i lived it i, I got somehow got to puberty without the need of Xena and possibly fan written girlfriend. I don't know. That was, I think that's something I have a big issue with when it comes to TV fandom. And it's, um, the person of interest, I believe it's the creator, uh, that they're interviewing who is like, look, we're trying to navigate these waters. Like we appreciate that the fans really like this one particular character, this one dynamic. And we sort of, we sort of lean into it, but we also have like a story in mind that we're trying to tell. And I don't know, where do you, where do you fall on that? Because it is 
serialized storytelling. This is not film. Because <clears throat> when you talk to this this woman who's like sort of leading the charge for this campaign, this one particular character, she's like, yeah, but if you see that like sort of fandom like sort of spun off from this one aspect of the show, shouldn't you lean even harder into that? Like, I guess, where do you think that they should stay true to their original uh, artistic intentions? Like, you know, in season one or two and not evolve to season five? Is it giving in? I, yeah, I think it is giving in when you listen to fandom and kind of go at their whim. Even with person um, of interest, even <laughs> <laughs> if there was this master plan for that show, <laughs> if it is more of a law and order CSI, which is kind of what I assumed it was. It, I, I know it had the, the guy from lost in it. That was the big selling point for that show. Uh, ben Limus was in it, I believe mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So had Jesus it, too. Jesus was the lead. Oh, well, there you go. <clears throat> so if it if that's just an angle and aspect of it, and they had this idea of where they wanted this character to go, then just go with it and not worry about it. Because if you try to service the fans, you're going to end up not able to really do justice to the show anyway. So no, you, you have to give people what you want to see. You have to make something that works well for you, not what you think will work well for someone else. And that's why I was thinking of Love, Simon, before we got into all these LGBTQ, whatever it is now. I <laughs> you got into it. you got into it. The, the movie. The, the, this movie did, and I'm like, oh god. Like, but I'm thinking, like, okay, who has ownership of, uh, or that that sense of entitlement, which is in, which is really dangerous with something that you go back to the Star Trek fans, and that comes across as incredibly positive, especially with all of this history to it. You're like, wow, that's a entire like industry that may not have been created within like the sort of sci-fi community. Like how many shows came about because of the success of star Trek, which came about because of the success of the fan campaign. But now this other stuff that you and I, I mean, we do movie podcasts and we're like, I don't, what is this? What are you talking about? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) But then I kind of feel the same way when I look at other movie podcasts though, where I go, what is this? I, I don't get it. That you're where I was. That's that's why I'm out of retirement. That's why the comeback. I'm like, what? You're doing it wrong. Like, if there is a way to do it wrong, this is it. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> We're showing people, giving them the blueprint of how to fail correctly <laughs> week by week, and they never got it. So we had to come back. <laughs> I I think that there's some specificity that bothers me with fandom in general. Because I, I, I go the other way, where it's like I, I want to consume. I feel like I'm not going to live long enough to consume everything that I would want to. That if I had, you know, the time or the inclination, you know, like I, how I missed out on the Xena lesbian wave of the night. That's just, I'll just never get that back, right? I'll never be that twelve year old boy again. <laughs> I have a hard time being that invested in like one thing or like one like supporting character. And granted, as I said before, I'm I'm coming at it from a different perspective where I have the opportunity to see a lot. Well, actually, I take that back. I don't see a lot of me on television now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing in common with fucking Skeet Ulrich, like on Jericho, just because he's a he's a white dude or whoever is playing like Chuck. I actually don't see a lot of, uh, and I don't count Justified either. <laughs> Would you say you see yourself in Justified then? No, I don't. I, I don't see uh, that. That was shot in like Pittsburgh. What are they? <laughs> like, that's 
that that's the sort of thing that I, I, I guess it is the identity politics of the time. And there's like, there's the best use case of it where it gets me to listen to these fans and think about it from their perspective. That it's like, you know, that everything is not equal as far as like, I, I have limits on being able to, and this, I don't even think this woman is saying like, Oh, that's me like personified. Right. She's just saying like, you know, this one aspect of her, her sexuality. I don't get to see that a lot on screen. I, I remember Kevin Smith. I think he was speaking about his brother. Like it was in the chasing Amy yeah. days. Um, saying like, you know, and his brother wasn't like complaining or like, you know, just raging against whatever move they were talking about. But he was just like, you know, I, as a gay man, I don't sleepless in Seattle movies. I don't get to see me. I don't get to see those relationships. And so there's a way to look at it and be like, oh, that, you know, that does really suck. Um, because I think that it's probably easier for me to at least put myself in the shoes of, you know, Tom Hanks or I guess a straight woman, Meg Ryan, whatever. But that <laughs> here's I, I love a but. I, I, I'm just so nervous about where this is heading. I see. Well, this there here's, here's the, but part of it where it's, it is like, <laughs> if the creators of the show introduce, uh, two gay women on the show who, from the looks of it, and of course, listening to the experts here, just from the clips I get on this documentary about fans, um, for person of interest, they appear to be some sort of government agents or spies or something, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's guns and all sorts of tomfoolery out there, but that aspect of it, she is, you know, you're now asking for it to become something other than I'm guessing what the creator set out to do, which is, hey, this is a show that does star a villain from Lost and Jesus from the Mel Gibson movie. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, how how much can we devote to this is going to become a relationship drama about mm -hmm. these two supporting characters? That's, I guess, that's that's the rub where it's like I don't I don't feel like the film doesn't convince me that these creators have been disingenuous with these fans and led them, you know, to believe, hey, this is a show about one thing, but now we're going to pull the rug out from under you. I, I feel like it's actually the fans doing that in most cases, where they're they're identifying so strongly and having these sort of fan tumblers or sort of twitter accounts and i think if you were just a casual viewer person of interest you might feel like is that a completely different show is that a spinoff what are they talking about <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right i think that that's how that would come across because you're able to connect with other people that are dialing into this one thing and that's all that you're focused on for this 43 minutes of television and you have that 47 seconds or whatever it ends up being that was dedicated to your thing um and they get all get very excited about it and they spend their week talking about it. And I don't see anything wrong with that. If people want to do that um, and take that ownership and feel that love and dedication to it. But there has to be a part of them <laughs> that knows that they don't actually own this thing and it'll probably be taken away from them. And that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like George Lucas, who I think, unfortunately, he always had that sort of, cantankerous nature when it seemed to be like dealing with fans, especially when it came to the prequels, as far as like, mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, I, this is my thing. Like I, <laughs> I wrote this, like I, I own this lock stock until he, I guess, thankfully for his own <laughs> Sandy got out and sold to Disney. But, uh, I still feel like it, even during that time period when he had a sort of very like hardline stance about no, 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 Jar Jar's great. Like, you know what you're talking about that he still sort of fell into, trying to please the fans like he wouldn't come out and say it but it's like you know if you watch those prequels it's like wow jar jar uh he's not along for the ride anymore i guess he's <laughs> doing something in the senate what is he now is he like a, 
assistant? Is he working someone's desk? I don't understand what he's doing. Like, um, and that, I think if you think about that stuff too much, you're like, yeah, I mean, maybe what he originally intended did suck ass, but, but now the, this absence of what previously sucked, I don't know if that's like a great victory for fans. That's like, <laughs> cause he just well, continued to suck in other ways. It felt like when he gave the fans what they wanted, that became the Sith movie. And you have like a bunch of children getting murdered by a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the movie I wanted either. Personally. I only, I only watched it the once I, I remember like I, I, this, I guess probably would be for whatever listenership we have would probably like cause them to just unsubscribe. But I, even at the time, I remember thinking, like, the prequels are fine. Like, I, I watched them in the theater, and I thought, like, oh, cool, lightsaber fights. <laughs> that was it. Because I, I even then, I felt like, yeah, this was something I really enjoyed, like, when I was a kid. And I'm watching, like, VHS tapes of it. And it's really cool to, like, see it come back. I'm glad I got to have this experience on the big screen. But I felt like, all right, this is no longer for me. And I had a, a much younger brother who was in grade school and he ate that stuff up. He loved it. And so I guess I got to look at it from that point of view and I'm like, Oh, so it's doing exactly what it should do. It's yeah. you know, a new generation's coming in and it's time to put that shit down. That's not been the case <laughs> in the internet age, I guess. So I'm actually really impressed with United We Fan that it had me even <laughs> open to hearing these crazy <laughs> fans of Chuck and God knows what else, because I was coming in ready to say these people don't deserve shit. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? The, the fans of Chuck were clearly the smartest ones with the way that they went against it. They actually just chose to support a sponsor of the show. Bought in totally. Th- that, that's, that is actually the, instead of annoying them, say we will actually support <laughs> your, the people that are sponsoring the show and do the thing that you're trying to get them to do. The reason the show's there in the first place, that was the smartest one of these that I saw. Yeah. I, I think that I would love to be in a position of power one day where someone sent me 50,000 pounds of like peanuts and <laughs> you know have an official like cbs nbc memo <laughs> where it's like i'm gonna enjoy these peanuts oh by the way jericho's still fucking canceled <laughs> send more peanuts <laughs> having that that power would be nice if I saw, if I was able to recognize that guy and so I saw him at a bar, I would send him down a drink to the end of the bar just for that moment because I, I appreciate that. I mean, well, and also you scoot down the peanuts, right? You try to <laughs> try to be in on the fandom. <laughs> on that note, was uh, the uh, killer from Scream here? Was he was he wearing a cap that said Nixon on it? Did he certainly it? was. I, I noted that also. It just um, popped up again on my like. I've got the IMDb open and the scrolling pictures. I'm like, yep. Is that a clothing company or is that just an ironic thing or is he just a big Nixon supporter? I I I don't know. I'm like, was he like a child like? in the Oliver Stone film. And he just has like a hat from like, <laughs> he's trying to bring back. That's the rap present. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, you know, he thought, Hey, this will look cool. No one else kept this. I'm sure, you know, sir, Anthony Hopkins <laughs> threw that shit in the trash, <laughs> but here I am talking to a documentary crew about a failed TV show. I was on for 12 I, episodes. I do appreciate the fact that he said, he kind of threw out there that the writing was kind of garbage. So, uh, <laughs> That made me like him a little bit. <laughs> it, yeah, I think the uh, the fact that the peanut campaign was, you know, all on his shoulders as far as how dramatically he could deliver the line nuts 
<laughs> to walkie talkie. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that actually hadn't, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll pull that up on YouTube. Maybe I'll watch a bit of that. Maybe I'll get into this years later, Jericho. Or I could just watch another random documentary for our Projecting Film <laughs> podcast. <laughs> on that note, do you have a, did you have a movie in mind for this? You got something but, to throw my way? No, I, I mean, I literally was going with Capturing the Freedmans on this. I wasn't fucking Nothing. around. All right. Well, you gave one movie that I've already forgotten. The, uh, three it? Identical Strangers. And no, no. The uh, James Spader and Rob Lowe. Oh, uh, Bad Influence. Which I'm sure has fuck all to do with this. <laughs> has nothing to do with this. But, but I'm kind of interested. Uh, Capturing the Freedmans, I remember watching once. And if I was going to tie it to this, I don't think I, at least as I was watching it, I didn't know how I felt about the people we were following around or the people making the documentary. Like, I, that's, that's my memory of it. Now, I've not seen it since, I don't know, maybe a year or two after it came out. Maybe I shut the videotape so that I wouldn't have to remember it myself. Like when your parents take pictures of you, do you remember the being there or do you remember just the photograph hanging on the wall? It's kind of it's one of those ones where it starts as one thing. Uh, the filmmakers had a completely different intention with the film they started with, and then what it actually became. I guess the Lance Armstrong uh, documentary would be a similar thing, also, where you start this. Let's go talk to this woman, this nice lady who saved Cagney and Lacey. And then the way the more they spent time with her, she became <laughs> more dislikable to me uh, personally. Where she would just every she gained this level of power and you know she had julia louise dreyfus coming down to kiss the ring kind of thing and it was just very odd so yeah well it's, i mean anything i guess that becomes like that became her like actual job right sure like she went she went from a fan to and I, I guess that that calls you know your organization somewhat into question like that they, they were cracking me up as far as like how they, there was like a, a dissolving of like the two women that created this because they were whether or not was it designing women was that the breaking that was the one that that, that was the one that tore them all apart because so. it was not that anyone was disagreeing that it was like oh this is a good show and you know it may be canceled but it was not in their like top ten or it was like in their it was on the bubble yeah. it was like March Madness of like if you if you agree it's a good show and you've got enough people that like want to try to save it what what's it putting you out? I, I was trying, I, I didn't understand the power dynamics of that, nor do I guess, do I want to? I actually did. I wanted a deep dive. I was hoping the next 30 minutes were just going to be on that. Uh, and that, that whole organization dissolved. Well, you're, you're giving me Suspiria flashbacks for me and my poor wife. Cause I'm, I'm watching, you know, we did that for War Machine versus War Horse. And I, I distinctly remember telling you like, this is really cool looking. I think I could just watch this on mute. And just watch this as a like a screensaver or like a moving wallpaper for my television. That's about right. Yeah, new one, not so much. Like you got no, they lost all that. Yeah, I mean, but at, at least I will. They did try to go in a different direction, but they focused in on all the less interesting aspects of it. Muted color palette from Mister Call Very Me by odd. Your Name. Like what? You, yep. you made a bigger splash. You made something that was loud and fun, and we're taking this and it's it's reminded me of this, like the, the politics of like witchcraft where it's like, they're getting into, it, it was like the fucking trade federation from the prequels. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? I thought this was like, gonna be sexy and cool. And it, this is just a drag. Like it's making, it's making witchcraft a drag. I can see your point where it's like, I guess if you had the, like, she said, she said aspect of it, <laughs> as far as the, 
<laughs> falling out over designing women for a little bit, but you're also, I'm also thinking like to, to what end, what, what was the, what was the power struggle about? Like if, if you, what, what sort of marshalling of forces is there? And that, and I guess it's just a different time. Like then it would be just like, Hey, let's just try to get this hashtag trending. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they had well, like an army of people like trying to designate when letters would arrive back in the late eighties. <laughs> no idea. Well, I, what was it? They were saying that one of the shows, I can't remember that was their, their thing of accomplishment that they had this hashtag trending on Twitter for 30 days straight or something. I can't, I feel like that was Longmire. Was that Longmire? Okay, that sounds right. Which also surprised me, given the I'm just I've never seen an episode of Longmire, but it's a western. It looks like old dudes and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. It seems right up our alleys. <laughs> I I we missed the, the the trend though, so I don't you know. It's worthless to me now. It's not. It's no longer hip. If it ever was, I'll be I'll be ultra hip and I'll go rewatch Lonesome Dove again. I, we we could start a podcast on that. Like, you know, the, the, Star There's enough there. the Star Wars minute, we do that for Lonesome Dove until inevitably we die. <laughs> I always figured we'd just go murder-suicide at some point. <laughs> I think that would happen four, five minutes in. <laughs> well, at least we'd have a month's worth of episodes. Um, well, and I wouldn't be renting United We Fan on I, Amazon. I uh, I did. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't purchase this one. I made the right choice. You know what? If this had been uh, 9.99, and it's, uh, I'm sure there's all sorts of like. It was 9.99 on Amazon. Wasn't see for yeah. I, I went on iTunes, and I don't know if I don't think iTunes does like a standard def. I think I don't think they have like lower tiers. I think it's just mm. like HD because it was 12.99 to purchase, and I'm like, well. I don't really know what I'm getting into. And of course I watched this and it's, it's like science fiction to me as far as the shows they're referencing. <laughs> so I did, I was four ninety nine rent, but no, if it had been nine ninety nine, I bet you I would just would have, in my mind, I could have justified it. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. 10 bucks. Yeah, sure. I'll probably watch this twice in my life. You won't. I, I see what's behind you right now. That's not happening. No. Well, I mean, capturing the Freedmen's was a documentary I enjoyed as well. And I, I guess that's a good side question. Like, what are some documentaries that you find rewatch worthy? Cause there are a lot of documentaries I watch and even if I'm still interested, but I usually then just go to like what happened after I just go to like Wikipedia or like links to try to find out more. I don't usually rewatch documentaries. American movies, pretty rewatchable. I think that's really fucking sad. I don't know about that. That's, <laughs> it's got the, the saddest like Super Bowl scene of all time. Oh my god, you're right. It's like so drunk and his mom, like uh his like immigrant mother who supports him is trying to like watch the Super Bowl in the kitchen and his like buddies over there and he's already too wasted to enjoy it. It's almost like the day before Christmas. That's right. Oh, Look at that. Right first play. That's it. Game's over. Give her a close-up. I don't want to take no phone calls. <laughs> you take a paper out, you buy a CP-16, and you shoot the films. Why, every time you talk about making a film, they talk about dream. Oh, I'm going to go work it at costs. a... I'm going to work in a factory. Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. We're going to drill holes together. <laughs> Here, man, come on in. All right. Hi. Hi. Hey, you know what? Somebody did. did yeah, I won two hundred dollars today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what are you gonna do with that two hundred bucks? I don't know. I gave a hundred to my dad, 
And I got 65 at home in my room and I got 20 in my wallet. So if you can think of something we can spend 20 bucks on, maybe we can what spend it. What do we can spend 20 bucks on? <laughs> About four pictures at Jim Mitchell's. Uh, I don't want to buy no beer. I don't either, man, but if you wanted to buy it, I'll drink it. There's four minutes left. Yeah, that's what we are going to see now. We're going to Jim Mitchell's. No, are you yes, kidding? we are. I'm not going to any bar. Yeah, I'm not taking you to any bar. You have had more than enough to drink. Okay, you know what? Weak. We can never quit. When he drinks soft drink, and he can never quit. <laughs> Can you close the door? Yeah. I will never be like you, you fucking job working 40 hour motherfucker, you can go to fucking hell. I'll be okay again, I'll be just like you, wandering around the kitchen just like you, yeah you're right. Never. Yeah, well, I'm glad that the, the, yeah, the package won, yeah. yeah. But he's actually made a couple films now, so there's a positive aspect to it that this making this documentary actually led to better things for him. I don't know if that's going to say the same for this one, though. <laughs> no, no. I feel like I feel like fandom can only devolve from this point. Probably just gets worse. And like, I I was just you know I I actually disagree with the uh, the <laughs> the premise that these like little shows or these little comedies are very welcoming. I actually find like way more gatekeeping with those little like small communities that I, I don't think that until they need you to mail fucking peanuts to CBS. <laughs> I don't, I don't, what message boards are they on where they just like make all these great friendships with people? Um, or Twitter. Yeah. That, you, you, that that, that's actually, I'm glad you bring that up because I was going to mention is television, just television by nature, because it's so much more personal and people connect to it so much deeper than they do with film. In a lot of ways, is that why it's so much more positive? Because the film community on Twitter is fucking terrible. I yeah, I got I logged on. God, for the first time in months, I started uh, checking and like I think the first thing, like weeks after the fact, I'm just <laughs> seeing like just vitriol about fucking Green Book. <laughs> like, a <laughs> really, a Peter Fairley movie, and I'm just like, why, why, why do we, why do we like a movie that I'm I watched? I'm like, oh, that's that's. That's like that's fun. That's like planes, trains, and automobiles. That's like a buddy it's road movie. A sweet movie. It's like all, most of what Peter Farley's trying to been doing, like what he's been heading towards for the last fifteen yeah. years. It's fine. And uh, people hate it because I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I guess I don't want to get into it just because I don't. <laughs> I don't agree <laughs> with anything about where they're coming from, but. Uh, yeah, there's there's just no nice things. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to see if there's a green book message board I can get on or maybe a subreddit. 
I, I, I assume it's not the people that like started to like hate on it, but maybe so. Uh, on that note, uh, I meant to tell you this, uh, since we've been gone, I can't remember. It was, I think it's like a couple months ago. So our like last published episode was on the scent of rain and lightning. I think I have it right. That sounds about right. Yeah. I think I could always confuse the last two. I, th- I feel like on that episode, we were confusing to like, now it's the scent of what exactly, like what order. <laughs> um, got an email from the screenwriter saying he really enjoyed our episode. And thought really? that uh, we, he's like, yeah, I think y'all like had a really good sort of uh, take on it. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate it. Jesus. And I was immediately like, <laughs> how'd you find this podcast? Like, <laughs> gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in our uh, email <laughs> chain. We don't have your information down. <laughs> We're not personally related. <laughs> How did you find this? Yeah. Mom, stop making fake accounts. <laughs> You spelled the screenwriter's name wrong. So was this your the version of Aunt Pam that was emailing you? I That's what that got was really going. cute. I felt like that that poor guy didn't need to be that defensive about it that he uh, that his aunt was trying to save Longmire. A show that I, I thought on. that was incredibly sweet. I yeah, I like this. It was a real person. I I actually appreciated that someone had a vested interest and not just some freak that like really <laughs> liked liked this show. Like I, I liked that there was something practical there. Um, that, you know, and I'm given her age, no offense to the woman. I was just like, yo, Longmire, her stance would probably be like, hey, my son's involved with a show that I actually would want to support anyway. How cool is that? I totally take her at her, at her word there. Seems reasonable to me. Yeah, just like we do. <laughs> to each other and no one else on the internet. <laughs> and the screenwriter of, let me look it up. <laughs> I'll fix this in post, maybe. I, I, I... I love that this is the uh, the book ending of these two episodes separated by seven and a half months. Yes, it was the scent of rain and lightning, and uh, I think I should make I should make a demand that we go on the the poster for the fan campaign for the sequel to that movie. <laughs> it was pretty good. Go check it out if it's, you're a, if you're a, a Longmire fan, you should definitely check out the scent of rain and lightning. Good call. Yeah, from what we've seen of the poster of Longmire, that's based our that's our judgment. So, and United We Fan, <laughs> the movie that we we're presumably talking about on the show, this very episode, <laughs> right now, that's ending. <laughs> feel, feel like we got it. And if for whatever reason after that you'd like to become a fan of projecting film. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Projecting Film. And please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or your pod player of choice. I didn't even have a stopwatch. It's just natural. It's just instinct. Got it. Got it back. Well, I was going to ask you what you thought the most rewatchable documentary you've seen was, and then I realized, well, we're wrapping this up right now. We're, we're circling the wagons right uh, now. Oh, yeah. So. We'll put on some music here, and we'll get the little... This is the bonus content. Yeah, because they need more. They're, I always get emails asking for more from working <laughs> screenwriters in Hollywood. So, uh, documentary I watch a lot. Um, I like um, Startup.com. Have you ever seen that? I have not seen it came out i think it came out in 2001 and of course you know it's about the internet bubble but it is about it, basically a friendship between two guys who 
uh, in that time period, in the late 90s, have they're, they're going to make their bones by starting up a website that you can pay your parking tickets without having to go to, I don't know, the local courthouse or something. And their, their idea is that they will branch off into handling all sorts of like annoying government functions by just you know clicking on that site. Sounds like a good idea. Didn't work out though, did it? Did not work out, and uh, it is this like back and forth power struggle uh, between the two friends over how to like basically how to handle failure. So I felt like it would really apply to our relationship as well. I'll go ahead and say F is for fake if that's what we're going for. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I remember doing an episode of War Machine vs. War Horse with you on F. Are fake, and you and the guests both taking me to task for like this is a really fun movie, and you like looked at me like I was like a wine sniffing snob. <laughs> if you watch it from the point of view of laughing at Orson Welles, it's a fun movie. But if you take his pompous ass seriously, it's unwatchable. Can I do both? Can't I just like revel in him like filming himself holding court, stuffing his fat face? <laughs> And drinking to excess in front of these people who are just clearly just paid to listen to him. Like, they're probably working on the movie. And him just, I don't even think there's like a line of dialogue from anyone else in those scenes. They just are there to nod their head and, you know, eat their free food. You can understand I, why I would like I, idolize I that position. <laughs> That's the position you've been <laughs> aiming for for years. <laughs> I don't know why you don't have just a solo podcast at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've thought about uh, being an asshole and doing, <laughs> doing one where it's m- me talking to me and just, <laughs> just oh, re- shut the fuck up. <laughs> and seeing you actually that that's a that's not just a passing thought. This is a train of thought you had. You went down a rabbit hole for a moment. Did you get as far as naming the show? Mm, not, when I get the Twitter handle, that's when it's it's serious business. That's when I, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a suggestion because it's a terrible concept, so it deserves a terrible name. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say open mics. Mm. Hold on a second. <laughs> Is there? Tw- I have to open up Twitter and see people who've DM me about what a racist I am for liking Green Book. <laughs> response i have pre-programmed where i send them links to the show subscribe here <laughs> all right open mics not seeing anything yet i think we've got it <laughs> well something to look forward to 